you just bow your heads with me? And if you would, just, just pray give, and ask God, I mean, not ask God, but give God permission to speak to you, for the Holy Spirit to, even if it's nothing I say, but let's just let him use this time with you, and then I'll close. Father, Lord, I just thank you for the wonderful God you are. And I thank you, Father, that you will speak to each one of us. And, and we just pray for that right now, for your Holy Spirit to give each one the ideas, the things they need to go home and, and maybe encourage more or to start a prayer ministries. And I thank you, Father. And please give me the right words of what you want me to share. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In this handout, uh, uh, there's many more books that could be here. I, I really need to add more. It's, it's hard. If I can find what page it's on. It's, but it's a bibliography. It's a list of books. And I can't find it. Anyway, the last, uh, there it is. Yeah, thank you, 54. Page 54. There is some on that page too, but the one I'm referring to is 54. At the bottom, it says resources for prayer ministry. Uh, these books I've found extremely helpful. Uh, again, right above that though, uh, the, the chapters in Ellen White's writings from asking to give in Christ Object Lessons to faith and prayer and education and that whole March section in Heavenly Places is really good on United Prayer and the importance of it. And then the book, Prayer, that Pacific Press has put together and the one power prayer that Teach has and Steps to Christ. But on below are, are books that have a lot of practical things, of things you can do in your church to start a prayer ministry, to, to keep it going. And... <clears throat> The one, number two, the Praying Church Source Book, that one, and also number four, the Praying Church Idea Book. These are thick books that are like encyclopedias, reference books. They are full of ideas of things to do in your church to encourage and, and get everybody praying from little children to the adults in your church. But I, I've just found all those books to be a real blessing. But getting a prayer ministry started in a church, I found different in every church. I don't find that there's a set way to do it. The best way I find to do it is to pray and to ask God how you should do it. <clears throat> For God to lead you to who you could have as a, as a committee. You need to have a little committee at least. And it's not people who will just come and give ideas and talk, but a group that will pray together for God to establish a prayer ministries in your church. And too many times there'll be prayer teams, prayer committees that'll come together and they don't pray. They just spend the time talking. And the power's in the praying. If you, you want God to lead, you want him to bless, uh, it's, it's in the prayer. But for me, one of the things I found helpful is to make an appointment with a pastor, to go to him with a notepad and a pen and ask the pastor what is on his heart. What, what are his burdens? 
and then write it down. Don't talk. Don't take up his time talking and telling him your ideas. But write down what's on his heart. And you know, if, if it's not a church, maybe it's an institution uh, to go to the leader of that. For me, you know, I'd go to Jerry. He's the conference president. I'd say, Jerry, what's on your heart for this conference? And then pray. Pray for these things. Get people to join you that will really pray for it. And pray until you see God answer with these things. And that will get your pastor or your leader on board with how important prayer is and the difference that it makes. Um, <clears throat> but with your prayer committee, it should be people who have committed to spending quality time with God every day praying. I just can't stress that enough, spending that time with God. No matter what you do in life, if you want success in your ministries, in your careers, the most important thing you can do is to be on your knees praying and being in God's Word, spending that time with Him. I've seen God so bless my life and bring so much success, and it's come out of that prayer time, spending that time with Him. And, but to get people that will commit to do that, there, there's a, a guy, Jerry, called into the, you know, Jerry's uh, the ministerial secretary for the division, I mean the GC. And he called in this guy who was to do evangelism, go around and train pastors for do evangelism. And his office is right next door to mine. And, and I uh, went into his office one day. We were talking, and I said to him, I said, Robert, Robert, tell me the success, success of your ministry. And he said, well. Uh, and this guy, you know, he's seen thousands baptized come to the Lord. He says, I was a young pastor. I was in a 40 members, a 40-member church. And he said, we were going nowhere. And I went to the conference president and said, could I get money so I could do evangelistic meetings? And the conference president said to him, you have a Bible, don't you? He said, yeah, I have a Bible. Well, then just go do it. You don't need money. Just go do it. And the pastor left all discouraged. You know, how, you know, how am I going to make this happen and grow our church? And he goes home and he's praying about it. The Lord led him to start tithing his time. You know what I mean by that? 24 hours a day. He started giving two and a half hours to God every day. And, you know, it may not necessarily be that you can do the whole chunk at one time. But you, you, maybe you can do an hour and a half now and do an hour and a half later in the day or somehow. And he started doing that. And out of that, God started sharing with him what to do with his church to grow it. Grew that church from 40 people to over 400 people. And they had to build a bigger church, of course, because they couldn't hold them all. But the Lord just started leading him to things to do. In one little church in Michigan, this is several years ago now, they were dying. They had 14 people. This was written up in the, uh, the union paper several years ago. And they had 14 people. And they decided to meet. And, and there was a young guy that was at the seminary that was actually from our conference in Central there getting his degree and and he was assigned to that church to take it on and he uh, met with them they said we got to meet and talk about what we're going to do because we're dying off so they met together and as they're meeting you know what can we do what can we do to grow this church a uh, one woman raised her hand and she says i have an idea they said what she says well i read this book by evelyn christensen what happens when women pray I think we need to pray. And they go, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, let's pray. So they started praying for God to tell them, show them what to do to grow their church. God led them 
to start going around their neighborhood prayer walking. And the way they did it was two went to the door, two stayed on the sidewalk praying while the two went to the door. And they'd go to the door and say, we have a prayer group that's meeting, I don't know if it was once a week or what, but met at the church, and we want to know if you have any prayer requests you'd want us to pray for. And people would give them their prayer requests. Well, they'd go back and they faithfully prayed for these requests. Then in a couple weeks, they'd go back to the houses, knock on the door. Has anything happened? How should we keep praying? Out of that, and God led them to some other things too, they grew that church from the 14 people to 69 people. I, how many of you have ever tried the prayer walking? Have you ever done that? And, you know, I, I'm not, some of you have. I'm not talking again about this territorial stuff, whatever, that people say is bad. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about getting out and praying for the people that are in those houses or in the businesses that need to be shut down or whatever. <clears throat> but I was in a church. They were having 24 hours of prayer, and they asked me to come and join them. So I did for some of it, and Sabbath afternoon for an hour, we were going to go out prayer walking. And so we go out prayer walking. This, we've divided up into threes, and, and we're going down the side. And the way we were going to do the prayer walking was we're just going to walk down the sidewalks and pray for the people in these homes. Because we knew evangelistic brochures had been mailed to these homes. They were going to do, the reason we're having the 24-hour prayer was because of the evangelistic meetings coming up. And so we're going down just praying. And sometimes, you know, people come out of the houses or come down the sidewalk and they'll say, what are you doing? And might open up an opportunity to pray with them. And that's okay. But as we're walking down the street, the three that were over on this side of the street come over and they said, you know, this is okay, but why don't we just knock on the doors and offer to pray with people? And I, of course, uh, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, what if they slam the door in my face or what? You know, I'm scared. I don't want to do this. I didn't say that to him, though. No. I just said, well, I don't know if this is good. I said, are you sure you're going to meet and pray for the prayer requests? Are you, are you going to meet faithfully and pray for them? If you ask them for them, they said, yeah, yeah, we'll start a group. We'll do that. And so I was with these two young adults, and they said, yeah, let's knock on the doors. Let's, let's, let's pray with them. So I said, okay, okay, well, I've got the paper and pen, so I'll write it down. You go to the door and, and knock and ask for the prayer request, and I'll stay behind and just write it down. You know, that's safe. That's more comfortable. So <clears throat> this one young adult said, we'll just go to the doors God impresses us to go to. And so I said, okay, okay. So we're walking down the street, and I'm following them. Well, they skip the first house, and I go, yes, this is good. And they're going down. And, but suddenly she stops. She turns around and says, no, we got to go back to that house. So we go back to the house. The house has bars on the windows. And uh, the screen door has got bars across it. They, they knock on this house. A woman opens the big door, but not the screen door. She keeps it locked. She says, what do you want? They said, well, we're from such and such a church, and we're just walking the neighborhood seeing if people have prayer requests that we could pray for. And she goes, I can't believe you're here. She says, my husband and I are both out of work for like six months. They've lost their house. They're living with their in-laws. She says, I can't believe you're here. I've just been telling my husband this week, we need to get back to church. We need to get back to God. I can't believe you're here. So they prayed with her. <coughs> when they got done praying, <coughs> she unlocks the screen, the door, comes out and wants to shake our hands and says, what church are you from? We didn't have one piece of literature that said what church we were from. 
And then she just thanked and thanked us for coming. Then we went on down the sidewalk. They, they skipped the next house, but the next one, the door was open. It was an open door, just, just a, a regular screen door. And it was kind of in this porch, enclosed porch area. And you could see a light on in the house. Well, I'm getting braver now. Because, you know, the first house, she was nice. And so I kind of led the way up on the porch. And we knock on the door. And all of a sudden, I just heard this stomping. What do you want? <laughs> and this huge woman comes to the door. I jumped off the porch, back behind the bushes. She, the woman's just angry. What do you want? And, and I was with these two young adults, and this guy, he was really little, and he looks up and he says, uh, we're just going around the neighborhood seeing if anybody has any prayer requests. Uh, we're from such and such a church. And she goes, yeah, you can pray for me. You can pray for my whole family. My son just died yesterday. The first house, they're out of work. They've lost their home. The second house, not the second house, it was the third house. The son had died. You know, I felt like God was hitting me upside the head. Janet, get out of your shyness. There's a world out here I need to be reached for Jesus. You know? And this woman, when they prayed with her, she just melted. She said, oh, I know God sent you here today to pray with me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming. What church are you from? We left her. We're headed on down. We didn't go to, they didn't want to go to the next couple of homes, but they finally picked one. We went to that one. And it was a young woman at the door. And the guy was kind of slow getting it out why we were there. And so she didn't even let him tell why. She just goes, no, I'm not interested, and shuts the door. But she was nice. She didn't slam the door. And so now I looked at my watch. I thought, oh, we got to get back to the church because new people will be coming in for the next hour of prayer that would be a different kind of prayer. I said, we got to get back to the church because there won't be anybody there. And so I start leading the way back because, you know, that's more comfortable for me to get back and just pray in the safe environment of the church. And so I'm leading the way down the sidewalk. And these are short driveways to the houses. They're, it's not far. The house isn't far from the street. And as I'm walking back, we go by this garage door that's open. As music playing, there's these um, young adults. And I just think, you know, they don't want to pray with us. And I just keep marching, heading to the church. But this woman, she's in bibbed overalls. She comes out, gets right in my face and goes, what are you doing? And I look at her and go, ah, uh, uh, well, we're, we're, pray we're, praying, we're praying with people. And I mean, it's embarrassing, but I was embarrassed you know, to say it. And, but the guy sitting in a chair or sitting on something there in the garage, he said, you need to go pray for that family over there. Their son just died yesterday. And this young adult guy that's with us, he says, we did pray for them. We just prayed for them. How can we pray for you? This young guy sitting there in the garage is holding, uh, I think it was a beer bottle. It was an alcoholic bottle in his hand. He looks at that bottle and he goes, uh, there's no hope for me. I, I've tried. I, I can't quit. There's, there's no hope for me. And the young adult with me said, yes, there is hope. God took me out of alcohol and drugs. He can save you out of it too. Can we pray for you? And this young guy goes, you mean now? And he said, yeah, now. And he says, do I have to pray? He said, well, only if you want to. And so he let us pray. Normally just one prayed at the door. But we were so moved, all three of us prayed for him. And when we opened our eyes, this guy has tears in his eyes. And he says, what church are you from? Where is it located? Do you have AA meetings? Do you have this? 
where are you from? He kept repeating it. What church are you from? There's a world out there that needs to be reached. And anyway, that's just one of the things. And, and those kind of things really help a church come alive to the importance of prayer ministry. But one of the things to do, and we used to do this with our, our camp meeting too, is don't get up and say, we need to pray. You need to pray. Come and meet with us and pray. Don't do that. Instead, have testimonies. Have people get up and share an answer to prayer they've had, something that's happened. That will eventually get people to come. But also, in one church, nobody wants to meet to pray. Uh-uh, no way, they're not going to do that. And the, the lady that was the prayer leader, she said, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? I said, get a book, get them to start reading a book. And so she did that. And she picked a book that was on prayer, and she said, you don't have to pray, but how about if we just get together and start studying the book together? Oh, yeah, okay, we can do that. They did. They, for I don't know how long, it was several months, they read through this book once a week. And so she calls me. We read through the book. They still won't pray. What do I do? I said, get another book. And so, so she said, well, what book would you recommend? So I gave her another book, and, and they read through that book. I don't know if it was with the second book or what, but they started realizing they got to start praying. And they started praying. And it was at the time <clears throat> transition was happening. Uh, the pastor they had uh, left, and um, it was basically a, a pastor who did not believe in prayer or Ellen White or just, you know, it was kind of a strange situation. And so Jerry, looking for much, much prayer was going up for a new pastor. But while they were waiting for Jerry to find this new pastor for the personnel committee, these people started praying and were becoming alive in seeing God answer. And the head elder became passionate about prayer. God was preparing them for their new pastor. Well, I happened to be with Jerry traveling and we were coming to an airport and Jerry said, you know, there's a pastor and his wife that's going to meet me at the airport. We've got some extra time here and I'm going to interview them. Would you mind sitting in and, and tell me what you think? I said, okay. So we um, interviewed him and as we're getting on the plane, Jerry said, what do you think about him? You think I ought to hire him? I said, yeah, they're a good couple. They're good. I said, but the pastor, he doesn't get it when it comes to prayer. Now he mouths it. He says he does. Oh yeah, he believes in prayer. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, he believes. But you can just tell by talking to him, he doesn't get it. He doesn't really understand that there is a power unleashed in united prayer that we will not experience when we pray alone. Mm. And it's like the quote. I just read that quote to you, didn't I? Or was that the previous meeting? Okay, I get confused what I've done at one. In your handout on page 24, there's a quote. <clears throat> Number one. She first quotes Matthew 18, 19, and 20 that talks about if two of us agree together, you know, God is answering. But then she says right below that, the promise is made on condition that the united prayers of the church are offered. And in answer to these prayers, there may be expected a power greater than that which comes in answer to private prayer. She says something similar to this in other places. The power given will be proportionate to the unity of the members and their love of God for one another. You know, <clears throat> I'm convinced that the reason God allows more power when we pray together is because he wants us to love each other. He wants us to bear each other's burdens like it says in Galatians 6. But there is just way more power when we pray together. 
And I w was sharing in the previous one about how we started praying in our conference, Lord, give us a token, something that'll show our people that united prayer really makes a difference. God led us to start praying for our evangelism offering. And he took it to huge amounts. And here's the, and, and I'll never forget when he took it to a million and then two million. Um, on past that, this, this, I should tell you too, this same guy ended up pledging another huge amount, which I don't know if the Lord led him to do that or not. He's never been able to pay that amount. But we have continued, because the housing market, everything crashed on him. But we have continued every year to get in over a million dollars. Uh, last year, it was like eight, nine years running, eight or nine years running that they've gotten a million every year. But we've been gone from there. Jerry and I have been gone three years. Because some people were saying, oh, it's because it's Jerry and Janet. Uh-uh, Jerry and Janet left three years ago. Every year, they've gotten over a million dollars. That does not happen around this world. People from different conferences, countries, they call, how do you get a million dollars? And Jerry or Karen, whoever's talked to him, goes, uh, we pray? Yeah, we know you pray, but what do you really do? And, and Karen will tell him, well, I can tell you what we do. But she says, unless there's the prayer, it's not going to happen. And I'm not even sure with all the prayer it will. God was doing this not because we're praying for big amounts. God was doing this to show what will happen when his people unite together. That's what it was about. And... But even with our academy, you know, God took it out of the two million in debt, started bringing students, started fixing up buildings. People started calling from other conferences because their schools are dying. What did you do? Calling Jerry, what did you do to get your school running well? Jerry would hesitantly say to them, because he knew what their response would be, we prayed. And they, well, yeah, of course, we know you prayed. But what did you really do? What did you really do? And Jerry says, you know, I can tell you what we've done, but... But it's the prayer that made it happen. It's just a miracle is what God did. Now, I've forgotten why I started telling you all that. I was headed somewhere about, uh, okay, I know, I was going to tell you about this pastor. So this pastor, who I don't feel really gets it about prayer, he comes to this church. His, the head elder comes and meets him, makes an appointment in his office and says, I'd like to be your prayer partner. And the pastor goes, oh, okay, sure, yeah, okay. And the pastor thinks, you know, we'll do this one time, maybe two or so, and then the elder will get tired of it, and it'll die off. This elder is dogged to pray with this pastor every week. The elder does not take up his time talking or whatever. He says, let's just pray. Every week he's praying with this pastor. On top of that, there's a prayer group that's praying while this pastor's speaking. And they're meeting other times and praying about whatever the pastor wants that needs in that church. And do you know, I'll never forget that pastor calling me up. I'm driving somewhere late Saturday night. We're trying to get home from some meeting. And he calls me up on my cell phone. And, 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 and it's neat, God's timing when people call you. I was discouraged at the time about prayer, getting people to believe. And he calls me up and he says, Janet, Janet, don't quit. Don't quit. I said, what do you mean? He says, keep telling people to pray. Keep calling for prayer in churches. He said, Janet, it's changed my whole ministry. It's changed my life. He says, today, he says, I had this sermon all planned. I got up to preach it and out of my mouth came a totally different sermon. He says, I ended up making a call and all these people came forward wanting to be baptized and others to be rebaptized. He says, Janet, things are just exploding in my church. 
And I just saw him recently, uh, and he's still saying the same thing, just evangelism's happening and the church is growing. You know, we don't always say that happen as quickly as they have there uh, in churches. I'm telling you, sometimes it can take a few years, but don't get discouraged. In one church, a couple of the people came to me and said, we're going to quit going to this church. The pastor just preaches Reader Digest jokes and things for sermons, and he won't come to prayer meeting, and he don't, won't do evangelistic meetings. He says evangelism's dead, and we're going to go to this other church nearby. And Jerry and I begged and pleaded with him, don't do that. You need to stay in that church and pray. You need to pray for the pastor. So they did. They stayed and they started praying, Lord, give us a Holy Spirit-filled pastor. They didn't want to, in the prayer time, complain about him or anything. So all they would pray is, Lord, give us a Holy Spirit-filled pastor. They prayed for several years. But this pastor suddenly changes. He started having some illness problem. And I don't know if that's what did it or what, but he suddenly changes. And he starts preaching, going from jokes to the investigative judgment to the atonement to second coming. He's preaching this on Sabbath. And he starts wanting to do evangelistic meetings. He starts wanting to come to prayer meeting on Wednesday nights. Total change in this guy. But it didn't happen overnight. It took a while praying. I was speaking in, in Oregon, and a woman, a pastor's wife, she was there. She was actually, I think, from Idaho. And she came up to me. She said, you know, we can't win anybody in our church, and I don't know what to do. And I said, Pray. Pray over those empty pews in that church. Get people to pray over them. Well, she couldn't get anybody to join her, but she started praying over the empty pews once a week because she cleaned the church. So she's cleaning, vacuuming, whatever she'd pray over all the empty pews. I saw her a year later at another meeting in Idaho that they, they asked me to come to. And she came running up to me and she said, Janet, it works. It works. She says, I started praying over the empty pews. She says, we got people coming in the doors. We don't know where they're coming from wow. to the church. But in another church, they're in Central Cow. Um, this is a church that's in the middle of farmlands. They tried doing evangelistic meetings. I don't think they baptized anybody with the meetings. And they just said, you know, nothing's going to happen. We're out in the country. Well, the, the pastor was transferred somewhere else, and the elder's wife, she got a burden to pray, and she and some women had started praying on Sundays. Well, we had a, a church ministries training day, and they asked me to do a training on prayer ministry, so I did. Well, she came to it, but she dragged her husband there, you know, because he's now the acting pastor, because there's no pastor. And he says, he's sitting there waiting, for, they came early, and sitting there waiting for it to begin. And I looked at him, and I said, I said, Ed, you don't want to be here, do you? He goes, no, I don't want to be here. My wife dragged me here. And so I went and I grabbed a notepad and a pen and I gave it to him. He says I threw it at him, but I said I gave it to him. And <laughs> I said, take notes. You're going to learn. And he determined, and I wouldn't do that with just anybody, but I knew him well and we're like brother and sister. So I said, take notes. You, you're going to learn. And he, he told me later, I determined I may sit here, but I'm not taking notes. Well, this prayer training, I had an elder get up and share how his church had been changed by praying. Praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They'd meet and pray. And then I had a pastor and another elder get up and share what had happened in their church. By the time that training time was done, this, young, this elder's going, we could try this. Maybe it might work. So he goes home and starts calling for prayer. And in his church service time, he started having a special prayer time in the church service time 
calling people down front. On a Wednesday night prayer meeting, they started praying. Can you imagine that? Making prayer meeting, prayer meeting. It's just a novel idea. But they started praying and people started bringing in their neighbors and friends uh, who needed prayer. And out of all of doing that, they started seeing people coming in the doors to come to their church. And, and this, this elder started doing what God told him to do as far as when these people came in the door. And he'd keep sticky notes. God let him to do this in his Bible. He would go up to them, meet them, write down their names so he wouldn't forget. And then he'd keep you know, talking to them and they would invite them home to eat. And out of that, they grew this little church from like 40 people uh, to well over 100. And the last time I saw him, I said, so how many people you got in your church now? He says, Janet, we quit counting because we got so many coming. And they had a little church school that, that was dying. And they started praying over that and praying over the empty desks. And God filled that school with kids. And it was, I was coming here this afternoon to do the seminar. I met this principal of a school. And she said, Janet, our school's been in debt for 14 years or more before I ever came to it. And she said, through prayer, God now has paid off our $180,000 debt. Amen. It works. It works. I've had teachers tell me how their enrollment's down and they start praying over the empty desks day after day and God fills them with students. Again, we don't always see God work that quickly. It may take a while, but I've just found over and over God does work. Um, What I found, you know, with a church to, to have different types of organized prayer times, and, and you can learn that from these books, um, but, you know, have a group that, that'll do email prayer. There's others, a phone chain prayer but that you can get requests out to. But when you bring your people together to pray when they'll come, don't let it be just a time where they pray for all their requests and for everybody who's sick. That's all important, but it needs to be more than that. So many, you know, we've done a lot of prayer weekends at churches, and we'll have Sabbath afternoon, a special prayer time, and it's interesting to, to listen to people's prayers. It's all about their relatives, their friends, whoever. Hardly ever do you hear prayers for the community. And I'm convinced the reason that I've seen so many answers and things happen is because I've spent way more time praying for others than I ever have for myself or for my family. Job 42.10, <clears throat> I love the way it's worded in the King James. It says, Job's captivity was turned around when he prayed for his friends. Yeah. I have found my captivity so melted and turned around as I've spent way more time praying for others. It really makes a difference. And there's, I, somebody's got to do a study on this. I'm trying to, but I, I haven't gotten very far. But you look at it. Job. God tells Job's friends that they were wrong. They were wrong in what they're accusing Job of, right? And he tells them, you go get Job to pray for you. Now, God's talking to them. And he's telling them to go get Job to pray for him. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Abraham. Remember how Abraham lies about his wife being a sister? Well, I think it's the second one, and it's, something starts with an A. Thank you. God tells him, this is Abraham's wife. You return her, and you get Abraham to pray for you. Now, God's talking to the guy, the king. 
and he tells you get Abraham. There's something that I don't understand that is really important about prayer. In Ezekiel, it's, it, it uh, says, you know, God looked for someone to stand in the gap and there was no one. God is wanting intercessors that will pray for this lost world. I'm convinced that he has limited himself to our prayers. Witnessing, we know God's limited himself to work through us, right? The very rocks could cry out, but God wants to work through us to reach the world. Why? Why? Because we're the most blessed. We're the most blessed if we're the ones witnessing and reaching out to people. God, it helps us to grow spiritually. It blesses our lives. The same thing with prayer. God has limited himself to us praying for people. And we are the most blessed by praying for those. We cannot pray for everybody, but we can pray for the ones that God puts on our heart. The one God puts in our face to pray for. And, but it's really important, like you know, this group, I have a group now that meets there at the GC, and I'm not there that often, but they keep meeting. And what they tell me, the reason they do, is because I give them a prayer list every week with the answers, with the updates. That is an incentive to get people to keep praying. It really makes a difference. We did that in Central, and, and it, it's not easy. It sometimes can take a couple of hours to put all that together. But Jerry, he saw it make such a difference having a prayer team in Central Cal that he would take the time almost every week. Sometimes he couldn't, and I have to. But almost every week, he would work for an hour or more putting together the praises, the thanksgiving. That's so important to have that. And then the requests. The incentive to get people to keep praying is keeping before them constantly the answers, how God has worked. We need that to help us to keep praying. I don't know if anybody has any questions or thoughts, or maybe you have ideas you'd want to suggest. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I expected you to just speak up. <laughs> I was just wondering, can you explain to us like, um, practically how your, what the format is when you put together on paper the prayer requests, the praises, and the answers? Just kind of how you, like, you put that together so that you can give it to someone else? Is it just all on a sheet, just like how you said it? Or? Yeah, it just starts with uh, Thanksgiving slash praises. It's got the date on it, Central Cal or, or General Conference. And then below that, I'll list the answers that we've seen, the praises. And then after that, I'll put the prayer requests or prayer needs, I think is the way we word it now. And then just list the prayer needs. <clears throat> um, you know, some things, like when we were on the, in the conference, we couldn't tell the group. You can't tell them everything. There were personnel issues that you couldn't tell. But we could say, there's a personnel issue. Would you pray for this? And of course, they would take it on and really pray for it. We saw such miracles happen with personnel issues literally dissolve and people actually coming to Jerry and apologizing and saying this was good for me and whatever. Uh, big, huge lawsuits that could have happened. And God, take care of it all. Would that have happened if we didn't pray? I don't know. I, there was a lady here. I'm sorry. For, yeah. Of the devil or something? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of places they do both. Uh, you know, have some Bible study. Yeah, <clears throat> my answer of what to do is to get together with those who understand and pray, yeah. even fast as God leads. Fast and pray, and 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 like she just said, start a prayer meeting up at a different time. Mm-hmm. But I've seen God change the mindset. Who was it was just telling me on an email? She said, Janet, finally, my church is getting it. It's been many years. She says, they're finally getting it when it comes to the short sentence prayers. And now they've got several homes. They're divided up and having these prayer groups praying specifically for some outreaches and things. It doesn't happen overnight. The little booklet, I don't know if you got the little booklet, praying for rain. Take home a stack. Pray over those and for the Holy Spirit to get people to read them. And, and like the things I find that work the best is, is if they will allow you to have just short, like three-minute testimonies somewhere in the church service time or intermission, um, people sharing testimonies of answers to prayer, of how God's worked through United Prayer. And, and just get those together who will do it and keep praying for the Lord to work on those who don't. And be careful about praying that with a group because you don't want to look like, well, this group's holier than this one and so we're praying for those to get it. You, you know, you got to be careful. But I don't know if that helps, but I, I don't know what else to really tell you on that one. That's the biggest thing. Pray and fast, literally. Oh, I could keep you here all day with fasting stories. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, sorry. Wait a minute, I'm sorry. This guy, I, sh- I, I just wanted to say a quick testimony that we had, not where I am, but a previous church. A new pastor came, and the church was going flat because he couldn't preach. And people were saying, go somewhere else, whatever. And we, we said, no, we're going to start praying for him. We started getting blessed because we heard messages that he didn't speak. He just said words, but we got messages that encouraged us, and we continued praying for him. In less than six months, his sermons became powerful, and the church was alive again. I've seen that happen over and over in churches. Yes, yeah, so I don't know which one of you was first. Um, how would one get a prayer ministry started in a college campus? The first thing you want to do is to pray. Pray. I, I'm serious about this. Really pray, even spend a day fasting as God leads. Lord, how do I do this? How do you want it to look? God, bring me the people you want me to work with to make this happen who have the same burden. God will lead you and show you how to do it. Um, Usually in in some colleges, you know, it it starts off small. They they advertise uh, for people who might want to get together and pray and start off with that group. The one thing I found is when you meet to pray, limit the time. Don't let it just go on and on and on. People, it's the same way if you give a Bible study. You want to limit the time. Otherwise, people are going to 
dread getting together. Not that they didn't enjoy it, but they don't have the time to do it. So you stick to whatever time you agree on. Um, and, and of course, the conversational united prayer really makes a difference. Uh, it's just more interesting. And, but keep a list of what you're praying about. Well, Ellen White, yeah. To me, again, I pray about what kind of fast God wants me to do. Like in one church, a pastor wanted to do evangelistic meetings, and he asked his members to join him in 10 days of prayer and fasting. And of course, the members are going, oh, 10 days of fasting. And he said, look, all I want you to do is no sweets, no desserts for the 10 days. And that's, that's a big sacrifice for some people. And he says, but also I want you to... No media, no media, that's a big sacrifice. And no radio or no newspaper. When you would do any of these things, pray. Pray for God to make himself real in your life. And so his church members started doing this. And they also, I don't know how often, but they met at the church to pray too. But, but you know what happens when you do that kind of, you start praying for God to make himself real and, and you're sacrificing, you're giving up something, God starts doing it. And the people started having this alive experience with God. And they started coming, oh, let me ch tell you what God did. And they were so excited. When the meeting started, and this is in a busy area where they say evangelism can't happen because the traffic's so bad and everything. And the pastor does the meetings himself. He doesn't bring in an evangelist. He baptizes 32 people. But the people, when they'd come into the church, they could sense the church is alive. Because these members have been praying for God to make him, you know, himself real. How many churches do you walk into and you sense the oppression, the depression, and you literally, you know, you want to stand up on the pew and go, my God's alive. He's not dead. But our people, they need help to, you know, to understand. But, but after the meetings were over with, the people wanted to continue fasting one day a week and praying because it, it made such a difference. But as far as the type of fasting, you know, Ellen White talks about not long, that we don't need to do long fasts. Jesus already has done that for us. Uh, but simple, three days max of just simple fruits and vegetables and, and bread kind of thing. Or, you know, you can go three days without food if your doctor approves. Uh, but she, she talks about Jesus has done the longer fast for us. But, you know, it's popular now to do uh, like raw vegetable juices or, or fruit or people call it a Daniel's diet of, of fruits and vegetables. And that kind of diet is healthy. You, you can't go wrong in doing that kind of thing. Good. But the answers, oh my goodness, this, this one woman, her son wouldn't have anything to do with the church when she came in, you know, and he's off at college now. And, and we're meeting, praying together for 10 days, fasting and praying. She comes running in the last day and she says, You'll never believe this. Her son had called the night before, and he says to her, Mom, Mom, i got to tell you something. She says, What? Mom, I've been reading. She says, Well, good. I'm paying money for you to read. You know, you're at college. He's at a public college. And he says, No, Mom, you don't understand. He says, Mom, God spoke to me. He told me to read the Bible. He told me to, that I needed to love him more than I love you or my girlfriend. 
Would that have happened if we hadn't spent the day fasting and praying? I don't know. But at the same time we did that, there was a woman who wanted her mother converted. Her mother lived in Mexico. She was a strong Catholic, and she wouldn't have anything to do with her daughter when she became an Adventist. She almost wanted to disown her. She said, don't ever talk to me about your religion. So the daughter didn't. But the doctor want, daughter wants to see her mother converted. Now the daughter's not talking to the mother, but the mother calls up the morning that was our last day, calls up and says to her, I just want you to know, I met with my priest and I told him that the only people I know with joy and happiness are Adventists and I'm going to become one. But he, it just, wow. you know, for, for years there in Central, I, fa Wednesday, not many people would ever join me, but I would spend that day fasting. You know, that was the day we'd meet to pray, but I'd spend, uh, fast that day. I just see God do so much through fasting, and I don't understand it all. But look, I got to tell you, this one church, it was a, a church plan, and kind of the way it got started, um, there people came in there with that really liked, believed in having bands and loud rock music. And some of the members didn't like that, didn't think it was good. And, and, and people, the, the men in the church wouldn't really take hold and, and lead out. And Ellen White, didn't believe in Ellen White. Well, this little group of women started meeting and praying, Lord, help our members to believe in Ellen White. Lord, get rid of the rock music. God, please help our men to become leaders in our church. And, and God led them to make up a bookmark with prayer requests. And I don't know, they had those specific, they didn't have those specific ones on there, but they had other ones listed for evangelism and whatever. Do you know that over a period of months, <coughs> the people that were so strong with the rock band music left. For whatever reason, they, they left. And the people started taking an interest in spirit of prophecy and started studying it. Men started rising to the front to lead and to preach on Sabbath. And their little bookmark, they started seeing answer after answer after answer on that bookmark. But another church, elders, the elders started meeting together, like I think it was Thursday nights or Friday mornings, and they started going from classroom to classroom, praying over every classroom, praying for God to fill it with people, with children, with youth. These elders had so many testimonies of what God did from there <clears throat> for months praying over all these classrooms of God filling it with people. In another church, two women, they started going around praying for God to fill their, their primary, their kindergarten with kids because they didn't have any kids. They're dying. And I, it was about a year later, they come to me just bubbling over. God's given us so many kids. We don't have enough help now. You know, the stories go on and on. But how your prayer ministerial will look. You know, these books I've recommended will help you, but let God lead you in how he wants it to look in your church. Pray for God to give you some kind of token, something to show the members, if need be the pastor, that prayer really makes a difference, united prayer. I don't know if anybody else has a question or... <laughs> yes, sir. Only answer when I only ask when I can answer, okay? I was I think you may you may have covered this earlier in the previous seminar, but 
can you what can you say about listening to the voice of God in prayer time? Because that's one thing I you know I've tried to understand more of. Like you know, you pray and tell God a lot of things, but like how should you should you actually like sit and just be quiet and just wait for you know to get impressions like in your actual prayer time? Like not not like impressions out in public and stuff, but like when you're in here in your yeah. prayer time. You know, right now there's a, a big worry about of totally emptying your mind and letting God speak to you and going into a mantra or chant or just totally emptying your mind. And you're opening the way for the devil to, to talk to you in doing that. <clears throat> I'm not talking about that at all. Um, for me, God speaks to me through the word. Sometimes, though, he gives me impressions. But we have to be really careful with that. In the back of the handout, I put together a lot of quotes from Ellen White on hearing God's voice, just things that she says, and also some Bible scriptures. And <clears throat> to me, all of us need a spiritual mentor in our life. For me, it's my husband. If I get some impression and it, if it disagrees with what God's word says, I know it's not from God. God does not go against his word. I was telling a, a group earlier, I had a woman call me and said, God's told me to leave my husband. In my worship devotional time, he told me that. And I said, that's not God. Because God would not go against what the Bible says. Because her husband hadn't committed adultery, none of this. You know, she just, God's told her to leave him. It's, you know, it, that's not God. And there's a quote in there, those quotes I've got listed, where Ellen White says, we must be very careful with impressions. Because Satan can disguise himself and make us think it's God speaking to us. So we need to be careful. But that's why it's so important to be in the Word. Because if we know what the Word says, we will know if this is not from God, because it doesn't agree. But let's say you get an impression that's in the gray area, and you don't know whether to or not, oh, whatever. <clears throat> On some things that you know is not a bad thing, whatever, I may go ahead. And over and over I find God was leading. But let's say it's something I'm not sure about. I will go to Jerry, because I know that Jerry will pray with me about it. And I can't encourage you enough, have somebody in your life, and if you don't have anybody, pray for God to give you someone that you can go to that will pray with you. Not somebody who will just counsel and talk to you, but somebody who will be quick, let me pray with you about this. I don't know if that helps. But, oh my, the... the the things God does. I, I don't know if you were here in the earlier seminar. I talked about journaling, just writing out our prayer requests. You know, God led me back when I shared this morning, and you know, I started having this great experience with God, and then it stopped. God wasn't speaking to me through the word. I didn't sense him, his presence. And I said, Lord, what's wrong? What's wrong? It took three days, I kept asking. And the Lord started showing me through, as I was reading scripture, he says, what was Israel's biggest problem? They forgot. Over and over again, I've got it circled in one of my Bibles with black ink. They forgot. They forgot. They forgot. They forgot what God had said. They forgot what God had done. And God was letting me know, if it's important to you that I answer your prayers, that I tell you things, then write it down because you forget. And it's true. And, and so I, I started writing stuff down. But I know I need to let you go. But my, my older boy, he was planning to marry this girl. And we knew as his parents, this is not a good girl. You know, she's going to cause him trouble and run him in debt and probably have affairs on him, make his life miserable. But you can't tell your son when he's madly in love. And, but we got prayer partners praying. <laughs> and 
And, and then I, I just, I, got, I started writing in the journal. I started, dear Lord, this is the kind of wife my son needs. And I started listing very specifically the things I thought he should have in a wife. You know, one that would really love and cherish him because he's got a tender heart. A woman that won't be a pew sitter but will have a passion to win souls for the kingdom. And one that'll cook healthy food that won't raise my kids in front of a TV and my grandkids. And I even put, I don't want a mall shopper, I want a hiker because I like to hike. <laughs> that was selfish, but, but anyway, I just list in detail. And do you know, I, I listed that several, I wrote it several times. But I'll never forget, I was at PUC uh, speaking with Jerry to the religion and theology majors. And as I'm standing there talking, there's this young woman on the front row, and my heart is just drawn to her. And it's just this impression, this is a girl for Tyson today. And she, she wasn't like some, wow, gorgeous girl you'd be drawn to. She's just a plain, normal-looking girl. But I made the mistake of telling my son this, and I shouldn't have done that. He said, I can take care of my own dating life, Mom. And that was kind of the end of it. But I kept writing in my journal about her. Lord, if this is the one, bring them together. And then finally I started writing, Lord, maybe she's not the one. Whoever, this is the kind of girl he needs. <laughs> well, God brought them together on his own. I didn't have anything to do with it, but he brought them together. That's a whole long story. And they've been married now 11 years. Amen. And she's a godly woman, godly woman. And, and she's raising my grandkids in a godly way. I wish she'd have been around to help me raise my sons because she's an amazing mother. I'm serious. I'm serious. But you know what? I never wrote in that journal, Lord, give me a daughter-in-law that will love me because I always thought a son marries, that's it. They marry, they take a wife, you don't see them again. But she loves me. She likes to call and pray together. She likes to come to our home. But you can't, huh? Does she hike? Yeah, she's a hiker. <laughs> First time I was together with her, I took her hiking. <laughs> but I actually don't get to do hiking much anymore because I'm traveling all the time. But my second son, I, I didn't train my boys right. I heard somebody praying here, talking about they're praying now, or they talked about it. Tony Anobli, I need to talk to that man. He's praying now for the right wife for his boys. He should have been praying that when they were three years old. You got young kids, pray now. Or you got kids coming, pray now for that mate. I waited too long. And, but my younger boy, he makes the same mistake. He's involved with this girl and you know it's not good. And, but you can't tell him. And so I said, you can't put God in a box. You can't make God do the same thing twice. You know, it's, you, you can't. But I was desperate. And so I started writing out my prayer requests again. Lord, this is the kind of wife he needs. And just in great detail what he needed. And over and over again, I would write this. There was a young woman who took an interest in me uh, from the youth prayer conferences. She became really interested in prayer. And she started emailing me and then calling me, wanting to pray together. And so I started praying with her. There's nothing more fun than praying with a teenager because God loves to answer the prayers. And especially hers, because it was about ministry, about seeing a teacher converted and whoever. And, but when I pray with her, I just felt led to pray, Lord, in your time, in your way, bring the right husband into her life. And then in my heart, I'd pray, oh, Lord, can it be my son? <clears throat> but then I realized my son wasn't worthy of such a girl because this girl was a Holy Spirit-filled girl. And so I thought, you know, he's just not worthy of that kind of girl. So then I started praying, Lord, make my son worthy of such a Holy Spirit-filled girl. And make a long story short, 
I was sitting at her graduation from Academy. I couldn't be there for the whole weekend, but I just I thought, well, I'll come you know, for a little bit of it. And I'm Friday night watching her go down the church aisle. And as she's going down the aisle, I suddenly feel like I'm at her wedding. And I'm going, you know, I've been working too hard. And I'm thinking, Why? what's wrong with me? And then I thought, God, are you trying to tell me something? And just that faint thought came, she's going to marry your son. And I'm going, this isn't God. No way. Uh-uh. He's in a relationship. Two years going on. He's going to marry the girl. Uh, this is a Holy Spirit-filled girl. My son is not a Holy Spirit-filled man. Uh-uh. No. This, and it's, he's never been drawn to a girl that looks like this. No. It's not going to happen. Could this be God? And I kept asking God, is this you? Should I pray for this? It's a big, huge story. It's amazing what happened. But they've been married six years this December. I never told them this. I never told them that, that, that God had told me that until oh, about a week before they were to marry. I told them. And they looked at me and they said, why didn't you tell us this months ago? <laughs> or a long time ago. I said, because I didn't want that to be the reason you got together. But she's a godly woman, godly woman. And um, she loves me. That's what's so cool. I mean, she, she loves my son, but she loves me and she loves to pray together. And um, they haven't had kids yet, but I know she'll be a good mom. But anyway, it just, I can't encourage you enough to spend time with your God every day. And, and it, it, it becomes drier, rut, pray, God, make it real, make it meaningful. And don't believe Satan's lies. He'll come in there and try to make you think it's boring, that, that you're wasting your time. Don't believe that. Even though you may not think you're getting much out of it, you are. You are. And the benefits, the rewards, that relationship with Jesus are incredible. Shall we pray? Lord, I thank you for these patient people that are sent so politely listening to me rattle on and on. Oh, Father, thank you for the wonderful God you are. And Father, I don't know, I would love to hear everybody's stories in here about how you've been moving in their lives and oh, how much fun it'll be in heaven around the tree of life when we can share. But Father, I pray for each one as, as they will be leaving tonight. Lord, bless them. If you're wanting them to start up a prayer ministry in a school, a church, or wherever, Lord, guide and lead them. You promise in Psalms 32.8 to lead and guide and direct our steps. And we know you're the one wanting this anyway. So, Father, give them the patience to wait on you, to not step ahead, but not lag behind, but to go in your perfect will. And, Lord, would you, would you, before they even go home, would you put in the hearts of some of the other members a hunger and desire to do the same thing? And that when they go home and they talk, you lead them to talk to these people, it will just be confirmed that you are moving for this to happen. And we praise you, we thank you, we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.